Welcome everyone to 2023 season episode 7 of the Team Blaney podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney racing family for two decades and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the podcast offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news, notes, and a lineup of special guests throughout the year. This week, we break down the number 12 team's run in the United Reynolds Work United 500 at Phoenix Raceway. Steve, welcome back to episode seven. And uh, I didn't say it in that that quick intro there, um, but I did mention that we have special guests. And I want people to uh, to hold on and remember that we do have a special guest after coming up after our race recap. And that's going to be Leah Blaney-Reeves from the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Really excited to have her back on again. Um, but first things first, let's talk about this race weekend at Phoenix. Um, because, man, I don't know about you, but that was probably one of the most frustrating uh, top five to top ten cars of all time watching that race um, unfold for Ryan. And I, I, we talk about it all the time, but it's just so weird how things have changed from, you know, the Dave days where, you know, running up where Ryan was running, we'd be completely ecstatic, but now it's like, we just expect so much more. We've been waiting for this win to happen. And um, we thought that this week was going to be the week. Yeah. I mean, if you go off the last couple um, times he's been to Phoenix, you know, a pole to, you know, a couple, uh, beginning of last year, he had a pole and finished second and finished second, you know, and you just thought, well, it's, it's the time, this is time, you know, it's, it's all going to click. Um, there were certain problems everybody seemed to have and, uh, they were universal. You know, a lot of the teams had the same problem and a lot of teams, the only adjustment you really could make, especially since there were long green flag runs is, uh, you know, you make air pressure adjustments and that's about it because, um, when you're green flag pitting, uh, you're just trying to get the car back out there. Uh, especially when it's a second to a second and a half lap faster on the new tires. So if you pit, uh, two, three laps before somebody else that's running, you're running near, uh, you might get that advantage, come back out on the track and be in front of them by the time they're done pitting. So, um, you know, it, it ended up being a real interesting chess match. Um, but then again, we get our, uh, you know, grab your popcorn because we're going to do a green, <laughs> white checker because that's the way it needs to be at the end of these races. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't use the term crapshoot, <laughs> but that's what it is. You know, you throw them in a blender and then uh, hopefully you're in the right lane at the right time, making the right move. And, uh, you know, everybody's very, very talented at this level. So, uh, you know, you, luck has has a little bit to do with it as we find out, uh, the, you know, I hate to say the winner got lucky, but the winner got lucky. Yeah. And that happens from time to time. One other thing to remember, and we talked about this last week is, you know, they came into Phoenix under a brand new rules package for a majority of the short tracks, the tracks that are mile and under, except for Dover and Bristol won't be using this package because of the the speeds and banking that they have there. 
Um, I was a little bit nervous because the Penske cars, specifically Logano and Blaney, were lights out in the championship race there. Ryan probably had a car good enough to win if he would have pushed uh, Logano a little bit more, but you don't want to do that when a teammate can win a championship. So they finished 1-2 in the fall in the finale race. Um, I was a little bit concerned that they wouldn't, you know, come off the truck with speed in in this uh, year's edition of it because of those tweaks. Um, but things did go a little bit differently. And I know we want to we want to jump into this recap, but I'm really excited because you get to recap a full 50 minutes of NASCAR Cup Series practice. And I just can't wait to hear your notes uh, about this. Yeah, I took like three notes. Ah. <laughs> but that was different this week because of the new package. They added a Friday practice to uh, that um, isn't normal. Uh, yeah. It hasn't been normal for a long time with the series. Yeah, well, it, and it was still only one practice. They didn't do two practices. They didn't do a practice one day and then a short one the next day or anything like that. It was still one practice. You texted me, and I texted you back, test session, right? Yeah. That's why I texted you back, because that's what it ended up being. Unload off the truck with what we have figured out on the simulator, and everybody puts down a lap, and, you know, um, that was everybody's quick lap. I don't think anybody came back out later on with new tires or anything like that and did anything quicker. And um, they ran 48 laps, but what they did is went out. They did like 15, came back in, did another 10 or 12, came back in, another, you know, and ended up at a 48 total. Um, but it was the second quickest lap on that early lap. And it was like the second or third lap he ran. Um, but what I heard from what I'm listening to the scanner and so forth is they were testing some different scenarios out, whether it was stuff they're going to use on Sunday or stuff they're going to use in the fall, because a lot of teams, um, you know, the smart teams, and they did this last year, you know, they worked on two, two or three races. They worked on Vegas really heavily because they were going to be back to Vegas, you know, for the, um, in, in the playoffs. And then, phoenix because if you made it to phoenix in the playoffs and you made it to the final four you have a good notebook to go off of so um i really feel that's all it was um the overall lap average you know overall laps like all 48 laps his average was number one um his 15 lap average he because he only did one 15 lap run uh was second behind larson so everything looked pretty good um you know, point zero three two on that lap behind Larson. So once again, everything looked looked pretty good, looked pretty stout for qualifying coming the next day. Um, so Sunday's qualifying, uh, he was fourth quick in Group B. So uh, being in Group B, that means you go out seventh for the for the um, pole when they do the pole run. Um, and it's funny is Larson in Group B was <laughs> two tenths quicker than everybody else on his initial. Um, now he yeah, does come, he, blew him away. Yep. Yeah. But then he does come back to the pack on the, on the, during pole qualifying. Um, and he still gets the pole, but barely, um, Ryan ends up eighth, um, you know, a little bit off, but, and he kind of like apologized a little bit on the radio. I think he might've missed something or something there, but a lot of guys were having, a, uh, you know, a lot to deal with, you know, how do I run one and two, how to run three and four, um, shifting. There was this whole thing on, on TV. They talked about this one shifted, that one shifted, this one didn't shift. They shifted twice, downshifted twice, you know, all kinds of different things. Um, and I think it, it messed with some guys and, and what they really needed to do. And um, what they do during the race is a totally different thing. So, you know, it ends up being okay um, to start there. Uh, so we get to Sunday. 
Uh, stages of 60, 185, 312, uh, nine sets of tires, fuel run of uh, 92 to 98 laps, pit stall 41, um, which is at the end of pit road, which is. Uh, Honestly, that, well, you know, Ryan had an in-car and it wasn't just the in-car that every car has now. He had one of the official in-cars. So we yeah. got lots of different views throughout the race that at certain points I was, you know, waving my fist at because we're looking out the back to a car that's like 20 car lengths away when I know yeah. we're closing on somebody. But yeah. anyway, it, it, that pit stop or pit stall was really cool to see him just go dive right into that right on pit road right away. You had a clear view of the, the crew coming around the car. So um, that was cool to see. Yeah, um, the, you know, it's uh, <laughs> what did uh, we talked to Ryan Flores late last year, and he said it's his favorite pit stall. <laughs> I could see, I could see why, and I don't yeah. even know how. I, I mean, I don't think that I know there's rules on like how soon they can jump off the wall and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, and I think mm-hmm. there might have been an em- one empty box ahead of their actual box. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, those guys were right off the wall right when he got there every time. Yeah, the, um, the the three car was the car in front of him, and and that's interesting too because as the race goes on, the three ends up a lap down, and so he has open in, and then ends up having open out too later on. Um, and like I, like you said, he was one of the regular cars uh, for the camera. He was one of the actual cameras that they were going to use during the race. So um, the in car camera that NASCAR dot com puts up usually is just through the front windshield. But this one here, being one of the ones that they would use for the broadcast, has one on top of the car, one through the windshield, one on the front bumper, one out the back of the car. And um, that made things really kind of cool, like you said, especially on some of these pit stops. Uh, So uh, let's see. We get to the start of the race, and uh, the leader took the bottom. So it's kind of interesting that the last couple races, the leader's taking the bottom uh, on these restarts. usually the top is the is the preferred line but a lot of these tracks they were trying to work in the top and you know it wasn't happening um so uh by lap five he does pass the 34 car he gets to seventh and at lap eight he passes the one car and gets to sixth um not a lot of coming and going uh as the race goes on um certain you know there's a People remember the race for the green white checkers, but the majority of the race was long green flag runs and everybody was within a tenth to two tenths of each other time wise. So um at lap fifteen in sixth, but five seconds back at the twenty-four. So clean air, the guy who's the leader, he kind of checks out usually. Um, you know, they do a little bit of um Josh by lap twenty uh is starting to give like some info on where guys are running one and two and three and four. And this is the really cool thing about the in car camera is if when they put the camera on the front bumper of the car, um, you really got a good idea of the closing uh, rate. Uh, and what I'd, I made a note of this because at lap 24, Ryan starts running the higher lane in one and two, and it's a little more momentum coming out of one and two. And as they close in, uh, he's a 10th, faster and he starts closing in on the car in front of him uh you know as the laps go by so it's really kind of cool because by lap 30 um he passed the sixth car and it was up to fifth place and was the top forward at that point which is you know not that we expect it but that's usually where where we're at and uh it was good to see that at that point um you know josh tells him we're running good times just keep it smooth um you know, Ryan gives starts to give a little feedback because they know they're coming uh, to the end, near the end of the stage here. He says it's getting a little loose, um, and the four and the four lap forty eight, the forty five does pass him, so he gets back to sixth. 
Um, we get to the end of stage lap 60. The 24 wins the stage. Ryan ends up six. So we get stage points. Um, and he gives a good report on, um, he says it's entry exit loose. Um, he's having to pedal, pedal it a little bit. Um, and he's saying, you know, like a number and a half of, of change maybe. And that the center turn is good. Um, they're pinning in a sixth. They come out ninth. And um, this. Yeah. Talk about this one. Cause I know there's a lot of folks on, yeah. on Twitter that, you know, we normally deal with, uh, but we, because of the in-car cameras and uh, the cameras that were on the, actually, even I think the roof of the car that we saw at the mm-hmm. time, yeah. we can actually see what happened here. Yeah. This one I think was the roof camera. Yep. Some of the later, later pit stuff, they used the one on the bumper down the bottom, which is yeah. much of anything. And I don't know if that was on purpose or not. <laughs> Um, for the most part, okay, and 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 at the end of the race, we're going to tell you that the pit crew was awesome. Uh, but for the most part during this race, they only lost either lost a spot or gained a spot on most of these pit stops. Um, this one here, they lose three spots, um, and it's just a little thing that you don't see uh, unless the telecast showed it, and the telecast didn't show it. But uh, as they came around from the right side of the car to the left side of the car, the round the front, the jackman goes around the front. And somehow, timing-wise, he ended up there at almost the same time that Ryan Flores, uh, the tire changer, went around. And they kind of bumped into each other and uh, knocked uh, the jackman off his path a little bit. Um, like I said, it's maybe a half of a second of a problem. And they come around, change the other side. And and they did such a – really, they did a good stop to the point where they only lost three spots. This is something that could have been – 10 spots, you know, it could have been somebody fell down, you know? Um, so, uh, it was just a little crazy to watch because you know, you, I think you had it pulled up too. And we, you texted me right away and you, did you see that? I'm like, yeah, I saw that. Um, so, um, the, uh, yeah, the, the, they're, um, nine, ninth for the choose cone to, to start the second stage here. The five is leading. So the, uh, the five takes the bottom. Ryan takes the bottom, and um, the restarts at lap sixty-eight, and it shakes out to P eleven. The restarts are crazy. Um, they get three, four, five wide. They fan out. Now, the, the one thing Josh tells them every time he's in the low lane is you cannot go below the yellow line um, before the start finish line. But yeah. once they get to that start finish line, it could be six wide going into one. Um, at lap 71, he passes 17, gets to 10th. Uh, four more laps later, passes the eight car, gets to ninth. Um, at lap 85, the five car is leading, and Ryan's about seven seconds back. Um, and I got lap 90 here. The next four cars in front of him are only like less than a second away, a second, 1.2 seconds away. So um, at lap 91, uh, the eight passes. So he's in nine in tenth now. And he talks about, he'd rather have his center turn back a little bit. Um, and let's see lap, uh, one two, he passes the 45 gets to ninth at lap one Oh seven passes. The eight gets to eighth. Um, and at lap one thirteen, Jonathan tells them they're about 10 to 15 laps from the green flag stop. So, um, and actually at lap one nineteen, they decide to pit. So they bring it, a little earlier and they wanted to maybe, or maybe they were trying to play that game where they get out there and get back in as quick as possible. But the cycle starts. Um, and he was eighth when the cycle started, uh, he passed the 20 on pit road during this cycle. So first off the pit stop was better than the 20s pit. So that pit stop, yeah, it was a really good stop. You could even yeah. see it in the video. 
Yeah. And um, then the eight took a penalty here. So at lap 122, when the cycle was pretty much over, Ryan was sixth. Um, you know, he's about 10 seconds back, which is not really losing much ground on a green flag cycle. Um, the five car, like I said, still leading at this time. So it's all Hendrick at the front. Um, and at lap 130, he's only about three quarters of a second back of the uh, fifth place, which is the one car. And then at lap 139, we caution for the wheel on the dog leg for the 10 car. At first, I thought the wheel itself broke. And then they've some video and some things came out and they just didn't have the lug nut on. I yeah, guess. It, it went back and forth. So the wheel, at, well, the wheel did break. But now the reasoning behind this is they, they said they didn't get the lug tighten. It was tightened a little bit, didn't get it tightened properly. And there's some bolts that are uh, around the wheel well. That when, you know, it's not tightened properly, the wheel's shaking a little bit, it kept rubbing up against that bolt and the bolt actually basically sliced the the wheel itself off. Oh. So there was a portion of the wheel, I guess, still on the hub when it got back there, but the majority of it flew off the on the track. I know there's lots of fans um, that were watching the race on social media and some still confused afterward because like Stuart Haas's uh, Twitter had posted like we've been penalized for a wheel breaking instead of saying we've been penalized for a wheel coming off because I think at that point they thought that you know maybe it was unfair mm-hmm. uh, but they they talked with Drew Blickenster for after the race and he said no we just didn't get it tight and it was our fault and they uh, to uh, the Jackman and a, and a tire changer are going to uh, have a, a couple weeks vacation here yeah um, Ryan talks about needing a bit more rear drive, and Jonathan says 17 uh, laps on the tire, so everyone should pit, which they end up uh, do pitting. Um, pitting in sixth uh, comes out seventh. So, like I said, it's only a spot there. Um, the five car takes the bottom. Ryan takes the bottom here for the choose. Restarts at lap 147. Uh, the t- the great words, middle of three <laughs> from, jo- from Josh. Um, lap 150 is up to ninth. And lap 162 passes. The one car gets to eighth at lap 185. Uh, the five wins, but Ryan finishes eighth. So two stages and stage points for both of them. Yeah, and this this race is more like the traditional race they had would have last year. So remember, this is one of the most consistent teams in the Cup Series, and we saw that with points. You know, they didn't get to victory lane outside of the All Star race, but they were consistently scoring stage points and consistently getting you know top five, top ten finishes. Um, so this just felt a little bit more comfortable than what we've seen already this season. You know, with the crash at Daytona, though they did come back for a top ten there. The crash at um, California, and then the Las Vegas race. Obviously, we saw they're kind of in that that zone last for that race, but you know the finish didn't work out. So it was it was good to see them running in the top ten and getting these stage points as opposed to the goose eggs that we got on the board early on this season. Yeah, the um uh, interesting conversation between Ryan and Jonathan here it deals with like um you know Ryan. The things Ryan wants to change, uh, they not can't necessarily change, and the reason is is they can't can't put a wrench in the in the window and make the the uh, pit stop any longer, because if they do this, they lose track position, and nobody is on pit road for the most part is putting a wrench in in the window. They're all doing most of their adjustment based on air pressure between the four tires, figuring out this one, that one, and the other, and um, this is. Um, where he asks him what he could do to help with the takeoff uh, on the restarts, because that seems to be the only place he's really getting beat yep. is some of these restarts are a little wild and um, you know, he's getting, 
you know, he's getting in the wash basically of bad air is what it really comes down to. Um, he'd like to be up near the front. Um, uh, but the only way you, you, you can't really do much about that, you know, <laughs> um, the adjustments you need to make, they're going to cost you track position to where you'd have to race your way up there. So, um, they're uh, pinning eighth. They come out seventh. So they gain a spot on this pit stop. Um, the leader five takes the bottom. Ryan takes the bottom. The restarts at lap 195. Um, settles out to about ninth here. Uh, lap 210 passes the 14 to eighth. Um, at lap 214, the 14 passes him uh, back, and he gets to ninth there. Uh, Ryan talks about trying not to burn up his stuff, so he kind of feels like there's going to be more long green flag runs, and he's right. Um, at lap 233, Jonathan says we're about 10 to 15 to pit. Um, and I wrote down here, the lap times are the same as the next six cars in front of them. They're all running about the same lap time. So there's nobody out there who's got an adjustment that is like the best adjustment. Um, if you're in the front, you've got the clean air and that guy seems to move out pretty easily. And then, uh, you know. The only other thing you can do is run really, really good, consistent laps. And, and Ryan does a good job of that, uh, this whole race. Um, at lap 244, he's in ninth, and they're starting to pit the green flag pit cycle here. Uh, the f- lap 254 I here have the 43 has stayed out. Um, so Ryan is P8. So actually, he would have been P7 if it had actually were once it does cycle out in the 43 pits. So he gained, uh, you know, at least two spots on the pit cycle. Yep. Um, so once again, great must, you know, these are, these are great green flag pit stops, you know, with things, uh, all those moving parts, uh, at lap two sixty eight, the four car does pass for the lead here. He tracks them down. So he was the only one in that last half of the race who had made enough gains that, um, you know, his lap times. And like I said, he ran good, consistent laps, uh, maybe only half of a 10th maybe a 10th better than the leader and just slowly methodically tracked him down in that last stage. Um, at loop lap 273, uh, he passed the six and the 43. We did a little twofer in this lap here and gets to sixth. And, um, you know, uh, Josh at lap 279 tells him he's one of the fastest cars out there. So fastest yep. lap there, the bunch, um, we get to lap 302 and here's where the fun starts. We get a caution for the 21 spinning and then blowing the tire or I don't know. Did he blow the tire first? And that's what caused the spin. I think he was sliding and then the slide, uh, he keep, you know, contributed to the tire exploding, but I got to tell you, you know, I, I mean, you, you didn't exactly mention, you know, well, you said he's one of the fastest cars on track. He was gaining. Was it Reddick that was in front of him? Yep. He was gaining. And I was like, okay, we're at least, potentially looking at a battle for a top five, like right when within the last couple laps of this race. Right. And, you know, because of what happened at Las Vegas with that, that restart, um, what happened on, you know, just one of the restarts back in the packet, you know, Fontana, man, I was I don't, devastated. I don't, it was like a mix between devastated and angry. And I don't, I don't even know what the feeling was, but I did not want to see that caution come out. And I know you are a huge fan of, you know, letting the race play out and a green flag run. And this car was good on long green flag runs. And I thought, you know, we're going to get that top five, have a really solid day. Caution comes out and, you know, man, I was so mad. And, um, but things play out here in, in a scenario that maybe I didn't see, didn't see coming. And, um, I, I put a, uh, a note out 
uh, ahead of this pit stop on Twitter. And I, it was kind of tongue in cheek a little bit, but um, the people, one of the criticisms of this team is that maybe even going back to when he was with Todd Gordon, um, that they don't take enough risks. And, you know, they had an opportunity earlier in this season to maybe take a risk uh, to try to go for a win. And they didn't, they played it a little bit safe. Um, but though I, I think we argued on our own podcast that actually they took the risk on that one, mm-hmm. uh, that instance as well. So yeah. I just put it out there. I said, okay, everybody out there, you've been calling for uh, wanting them to do a two tire stop in one of these scenarios. So this is your, so win or lose, this is, this is on you. <laughs> and uh, now you can talk about this pit stop because I know you have some more things to say about it. Um, yeah. But here we go. I mean, here we go. This was a, they, they definitely uh, grasped this opportunity and ran with it. Yeah. They go, um, the uh the, they, the first thing you use is the word is a discount and like i said these code words kind of change from week to week and they all deal with sponsors which is really cool um, but as they're coming on to pit road he says number five is the call so number five is something on a sheet that everybody must be able to see and everybody must be able to know what they what they have um and then as they're coming in he says right sides so uh you know you don't you don't tip your hand until you're all the way on to pit road um but, uh, you know, he does right sides here. They were pitting sixth. Okay. So two of the cars in front of him that end up uh, taking four tires is the leader, the four car. And then the car that was directly in front of him, the 45, they took four tires. Um, we know that the five and the uh, 24 were in front of him. They took two. Uh, there's one other car, and I, I'd have to go back and look down and see who it was in the top five in front of him took two but ryan beat that car yep off pit road so i think it was, was it the one car can't remember it might have been the one might have been the one yes or, yeah it might have been the one at that point so um he goes in sixth comes out third and um the team penske uh instagram uh stories there is the one at the top of the thing um they have a uh, they have a video. This is only four point what was it four point eight five seconds or something like that. Um, they posted the video. It's from behind the car uh, up pit road. It's really great. Two tire stop, and uh, you know, you might uh, joke. I think I joked initially. I'm like, oh yeah, well of course that was the fastest stop of the week. But as you just said, you know, technically plus three because of the strategy but honestly he did gain a spot over somebody else that was on the same strategy as them right so that you know when we talk about wanting this pit crew um who got consistently better throughout the day after that mm-hmm. you know first stumble out of the gate um they showed up when they were needed uh on the money stop you know you come down pit road um and 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 uh, let's say that you know we know that they're they're the sixth one coming down pit road okay uh, we know that the first car coming down pit road took four tires, so you should be able to beat them if you're taking two. But the car, the next car up the line, uh, whoever was second at that point, which would have been uh, the five car, uh, you're not necessarily going to catch him in your pit stop. He's three cars ahead of you. So he gets to his pit box a second before you get to your pit box. So to beat him off a of pit road is pretty hard to do. The next guy back, same thing, to beat him off a pit road. But that car, one car that might be one in front of you, and this actually was a car that was two in front of him, he did beat off a pit road. So that is how good that pit stop really is. You guys, you know, you just see that how they come in in and how they come out. 
but you're not going to beat five cars off a pit road with the same pit stop. If you're all taking four tires or all taking two tires, you're only going to beat maybe one or two in front of you when you have a really good stop and somebody behind you might beat you if they're one or two behind you, you know, and they have an extremely good stop. So, uh, this was an extremely good stop and it put him in a, in a great position here. Um, yeah, I went from being very angry to being really excited about the call because I'm like, this is what we needed. It's, you know, some sort of a shot in the arm. They're showing that they want to win. They don't want to just run top 10. And um, and uh, I, I was nervous because, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen with two tires. You know, there was, you know, pretty decent lap fall off. The benefit they have here is a little bit cleaner air than they've had all race long. Now, the next biggest thing is how many cars took two versus how many cars t- took four or where do those four tire cars fall out in um the first six cars were actually cars that took two tires so um there's a little bit of a buffer there's at least a row of a buffer between him and four tires um the week prior uh you know he was his you know he was on the fourth row um you know so he was behind an extra row even so um you know, th- that makes a difference too. If you've got a little, if there's other guys on the same strategy, um, that's the same thing about what uh, they said about Truex last week, staying out. Nobody else stayed out. So nobody else was on the same strategies as him last week, you know, um, for the choose cone on this initial here, uh, five takes the bottom, the 24 takes the top, Ryan takes the bottom. I think this is uh, you know, a pretty smart move in case the guys wash up the track. Uh, if you hook the bottom pretty good, you know, the big thing is, is getting through that start finish line and then going down as, as low as you can go, get away from everybody. They restart lap three Oh nine. And right away we get uh, the 54 and the 16 crashing in turns one and two. I don't even think they were related. Uh, the crashes they said were separate. Yeah. Separate incidents that led to them kind of getting collected there together yeah. and feel bad for AJ Allmendinger. Uh, he hasn't had a tough uh, go of it so far this year. Now, um, during the pit stop or after the pit stop, you know, I talked about pumping up the right sides for the restart. Okay. Um, now there's something else that comes over the radio that I find extremely interesting. Jonathan, once again, let's give credit to the crew chief people. Uh, he talks about balancing with the front brakes. Um, there's some things that the driver can adjust in the car still and, and brake bias is one of those things. So, um, he gives them, gives him a little bit of tip of something that he might be able to do that'll help with the car, um, you know, on the next restart. Uh, he was still third after that crash. I, I was hoping he would have got to second, but then again, on the other hand, third is sometimes is the place to be as we've seen in, in different, uh, you know, uh, occasions when, when the top two are racing hard with each other. Um, so, uh, on the choose here, uh, the five takes the bottom, the 24 takes the top and Ryan takes the bottom and, uh, the 45 car. Now I point out, he made it to fourth on that restart. So now he's on four tires and he takes the top. He's behind the, uh, the four car. Um, the, the restart against once again gets wild. And then as they get to one and two, um, Ryan does a good job. He's hooked the bottom. He's kind of gotten below the 24 or the five. And then the 24 is on the outside. And as they start to get to three and four, the 45 car who has, you know, four fresh tires decides he's going to punt somebody. Um, unfortunately the guy he chose was the 24 car all the way at the top. Now, I don't know if he was hoping he would punt him out of the way and then come up underneath him or whatnot, 
Um, but William, give William uh, all the credit in the world, held on to it, kept it straight, and got himself enough of ahead of the five car where he was actually able to cut the five car off going into four. Um, meanwhile, uh, Ryan is down low, and he's almost even with these two, yep. uh, right right as the 45 punts the, the 24 to the lead. Um envisioning it if, if the if the, the 45 wins the race for the 24 um you know william did a great job of holding on to the car and we'll give him credit for that um but the 45 put him in the lead okay if the 45 doesn't punt him in quite that manner i definitely 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 can see the five car was trying to squeeze the 24 out of a line that he didn't want to run in three and four and while he's doing that ryan has actually hooked the bottom got himself to a pretty good position where he may have been racing both of them on the last lap three wide. Yep. Or, and Warren, this is just, you know, something you see in your head, the five car kind of washing up into the 24, just a little bit, not enough to knock each other out or hit the wall, but just enough to bump each other and take a little momentum away. And then by the time we get to one and two, Ryan's by himself. Um, it did not happen. Yeah. You know, but these things have happened, um, you know, and Ryan has been the benef- beneficiary of things like, you know, people running into each other, you know, <laughs> and then coming to the green checker there, you know, the checker flag, nobody's in front of him. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, I was before the incident happened, I really was like, it just tracked down fifth place. If he would have gotten to, to the 45 car, I think he could have passed him. He could have got to fifth place by the end of the race. Uh, second place, though, we will definitely take that second after the way the day went because, you know, he was a fifth, sixth, seventh place car. And uh, that's what I say about these uh, races running their running their regular path and not having a green white checker finishes. The guys who, you know, and the 24 car was the was one of the best cars all day. You know, if him or the uh, five or the four didn't win, yep. uh, it would have would have been a little bit of a shame because they were the three best cars. Uh, they they proved that over long runs of the race. Uh, so getting a second place finish out of this is just spectacular. Um, great way to end the West Coast swing. Uh, definitely changes the point standings, which I'm sure you'll point out here in a minute. Um, so yeah, great job by the team. Um, all the critics can go away for a while, please. You know, just go to bed. I noticed that it was a lot quieter on some of the social medias because. When executed, and and you know uh, these things, this is the way the team's going to be when they execute, and they will execute. Um, they're getting the momentum a little bit now. They they get the swagger back a little bit, and uh, you know, like I said, once they win one, they're going to win a bunch. So you know, just get ready for the wild ride that's going to come in the next couple months. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't blame the critics, you know, too much because they want the same thing too. They do want to see. Uh, they're not out there rooting for the pit crew to be bad or you know, the bad strategy call or Ryan's, you know, uh, make a mistake. They, they want everything that we want. They're just a little bit more vocal in their, in their disappointment maybe. But like I said earlier, it was really great to see the pit crew improve all day long. I think on the day, I mean, if you throw in the, you know, the, the, the two tire stop at the end, they're probably about plus three, plus four on the day. Without that, they're kind of plus one on normal pit stops. Um, great strategy call at the end. Just, you know, at least gave Ryan a shot at a win there. And um, I mean, I'm, I don't know what you what it was like at your house, but, you know, I'm on my feet, you know, <laughs> at the end yeah. of that race. 
I thought Ryan within that last restart, maybe won the race like three different times. And then, it, you know, just didn't just wasn't able. I think it was just some of that, the push that the the 24 got from the 45 and just their raw speed down the straightaways. I think that's kind of what uh, gave the 24 car that victory. But, you know, there's a couple of times where Ryan got side by side with them. And I was really hoping for a drag race uh, between those two. But yeah. uh, this is the shot in the arm this team needed. They needed some momentum. You know, they went out there, like I said, bad run at Fontana, average run at Las Vegas. This kind of changes everything as they head into um, a track that, you know, in Atlanta, that's, you know, more super speedway style that Ryan has a really good opportunity to capitalize on and use his skills there. Um, you talked about the points here. So Ryan had fallen back uh, a few positions last week after the last couple of finishes here, but now he's vaulted back up in the standings. He is in the eighth position, 30 points out from the lead, which is Alex Bowman in the 48 car. Um, the the spots right around him are really close though. Just ahead of him is Denny Hamlin at just at 29 or minus 29 and uh, below him, Kyle Busch and Truex are minus 32. So early on in the season, you know, one good finish here or there will fault you up and down the standings. We're going to see that in the fantasy standings here in a, in a little bit. So they're in a really good spot here. Plus, more importantly, you know, two stages where they, they scored stage points where they've really struggled to score stage points so far in 2023. So that's been uh, really good to see. One thing we didn't talk about, and there's you know plenty outside of the drama on the racetrack, there's some drama off the track this week uh, when it came to the Hendrick Motorsports cars and then also the 31 from Colleague Racing. Uh, all Chevrolet cars all had the hood louvers, which are like those little vents on the hood of the car, were all confiscated after practice. I think it was something they actually found before practice, but they you know let them go out there and run, and then they confiscated them after practice and i guess those teams are kind of scrambling to find replacements there um now these are it's just like everything else it's a single source part it's suspected that they've made some sort of modification to them um not sure what it is you know the teams have been i guess kind of grumbling a little bit that they don't like the way these parts are coming to them and maybe you're claiming you know they wouldn't fit right so they had to do something um They've really, outside of, you know, Penske, when they made those modifications, Penske and RFK to the, the wheel wells or mm-hmm. the wheel, sorry, um, at Daytona last year where they let mm-hmm. that slide, NASCAR's thrown the book at everybody else. Uh, mm-hmm. RFK and the six car with the, I think the bumper cover in the back, mm-hmm. um, the 34 car made some other aerodynamic changes. Uh, you saw Denny Hamlin and I think it was Kyle Busch get DNQ'd. Hamlin was DNQ'd, I think, from the victory at Pocono last year because they added a little bit extra tape under yeah. the uh, on the front bumper there. Right. So they, the wrap. I'm waiting. Um, and, I mean, this would well, be well, first off the the last year the Penske uh, wheel issue. Um, they had emailed NASCAR ahead of time. So there was a chain of emails. It was a safety issue. NASCAR yeah. actually, in the long run, actually agreed with what they did. Um, this, from listening to the teardown, um, these parts were actually shipped to them incorrectly. What 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 the guys on the teardown said is that the three manufacturers, uh, the, the louvers are each different. Um, so whoever the single source is has to make three different styles of louvers or whatever, one for Chevy, or Chevy one for Ford, one for uh, Toyota. But there was a bad batch, basically. Now, whether this batch was an aerodynamic issue or what's going to help them, who knows? But they were told not to put them on the cars. That's where the penalty may come from, is they were told ahead of time this bad batch came. 
and you guys aren't supposed to use them. So that is part of the reason why they knew what to look for in the garage on Friday. They didn't swap them out, mind you, because they didn't have at that point something to swap them out with. Uh, NASCAR let them use them. Um, and then by Saturday, they had them swapped out. They took them, you know, after practice. Um, uh, uh, this is, like I said, this is something from the, from the guys at the teardown. So they, the NASCAR knew of it ahead of time. Um, the teams were told ahead of time. Uh, the big thing, like I said, I don't know if it's texting you or not. The big thing is going to be the appeal because the appeal will probably be, well, these cars were already in a hauler. They were already on their way out there. Um, and it's going to be a timing thing. Well, when did we find out? When did we know we couldn't swap it out? We couldn't take the cars out of the haulers in the middle of Texas, whatever it's going to be. There's going to be yep. some sort of issue like that. But I expect a little bit of a spanking of some sort because they kind of knew ahead of time that there was some sort of issue. It's just a matter of when did they know ahead of time? Did they know last week after the cars were already prepped, and, like I said, in the haulers? Or they know two weeks ago and, you know, they used them anyway. So... The messaging here from NASCAR is going to be really, really important um, because among the fan base, the folks that aren't Hendrick Motorsports fans, um, you know, this goes back to Gordon and then, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Chad Knauss, people are always accusing them of cheating. Um, so the the messaging here, you know, the what you just mentioned, you know, they kind of have an out there. So if it wasn't, in fact, you know, them actually modifying a part, um, maybe that means that the penalty here it might be a little bit different or could be lesser than you know getting the book thrown at them the hundred you know hundred point fine the crew chief suspended all that stuff um I could see them having an out there but I mean I just don't see this as a there's this is like a no win situation here for NASCAR. Uh, on, yeah. I bet you those inspectors probably didn't even want to want to see this happen because just the way that this is going to be received, especially if they don't get as severe a penalty as some of the other teams have gotten for actual modifications, that's going to cause an outrage. If they let them off completely, God, I don't even want to see what happens then. Um, or if they you know do give them that full severe punishment, you know the team's going to be pretty upset. And like you said, they're going to state their case. They're going to they'll probably appeal. So again. As of you know, real recording right now, there's nothing to appeal yet. Um, but if they if a ruling does come down that's against them, they probably will appeal. And like you said, talk about communication problems and shipping problems and that kind of thing. Um, so we'll wait and see what happens there. But potentially, when you're talking about a four car team, and it could impact you know four crew chiefs, uh, could impact a lot of points among all those cars. And I don't. We said you know, assuming they all win still. And uh, Chase actually wouldn't take a hit in driver points because he's actually out anyway, uh, losing points in other ways. So um, it's not going to be devastating for them, but it's it's an inconvenience that maybe they didn't need. Uh, one other thing that kind of happened a little bit breaking right before we started recording this on Monday uh, is the fact that uh, Denny Hamlin has actually come out on his podcast. So if people weren't paying attention at the end of that race, Hamlin and the one car of Chastain were running yeah. uh, toward the top, uh, the front of the top 10. Yeah. And when the race is over, people look are looking at the lineup and they're like, what the heck happened? Because Hamlin, I think was 23rd and Chastain was 24th. And people are like, Oh man, somebody flicked once on the, again, somebody flicked on that switch with the magnets that they have in the cars. And, <laughs> once again, and they found each other somehow. So the replay that, you know, that the folks did some really good job of lining up their in cars from the, the end of this, um, Hamlin, you can tell, gets really tight going into the corner, washes up into the one car, um, just 
goes straight into the wall, the both of them, and then they just head straight back. And then down the back stretch, the one car brake checks the heck out of the 11, uh, basically the rest of the way. And the 11 does get around them to finish just one one position ahead here. So this uh, soap opera between those two, um, someone was joking about it. It's just the the ones. It's like the, the, the 11 and the one. They just can't get away from each other. Um, Hamlin has a podcast that launched this year, Actions Detrimental with Dirty Mo uh, Media. And people have been waiting and waiting for this to release. And he he actually came out on the podcast and just completely admitted that it was intentional that, you know, he, it wasn't maybe premeditated. He said he, you know, he got into the corner. He said his car was plowing tight. Uh, he washed up into the one car. He said within those matter of seconds, he realized that he was going to lose several positions. And he said, he just let the wheel go and said, he's going to come with me <laughs> to the back. Uh, so, love, um, love will keep them together. So we're talking about these possible Hendrick penalties. You know, there is precedent here, uh, for drivers being fined, uh, after being uh, honest about some of their actions on the track. So I don't know what will happen. It may, maybe it's, a, it'll be a private, uh, fine that we've seen in the past, the, you know, super secret, uh, suspensions or, uh, <laughs> or, or whatever it's going to be, uh, double, but Hamlin, double, double yeah, secret, secret probation. Yeah. Probation. There you go. Um, I don't know what, I mean, Denny's been incredibly honest with this podcast so far, so I'm not surprised that he just, you know, said it like it was, or at least how the way he sees it is probably the better way uh, mm-hmm. to do. But what are your, what are your thoughts? And are, do you think that there might be a fine coming for him? Or do you think we might even, there might be one and we just won't hear about it? Oh man. Yeah. It's probably that we won't hear about it. And that way, I don't know because now having a podcast is, is a dangerous thing Um, (laughs) because he's been on the West coast swing. He would do the podcast like literally a couple hours after getting out of the car, which doesn't give you much time for reflection thought um, or anything like that. And uh, he's been pretty honest. And this was a day after he got home from you know, yep. to Charlotte, Charlotte and everything, and did then did the podcast. But he still did it pretty early today for it to already come out uh, on Monday. And, you know, you, you could find him, but then next week on the podcast, what are you going to hear? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, he's going to have to hang out with the door bumper clear guys because they end up in the hall or two uh, having to talk about what they did or didn't say, you know? Yeah. So we're just going to have to see what happens happens here um i i appreciate the fact that you know he was up front and just blatantly obvious about it like yep i meant to put him in the fence that's what i wanted to do uh odd timing but i guess it was just all about uh the scenario and just being convenient maybe um so we're gonna have to see what what happens with that um he did say that they talked for a very long time after the race that they said that they've struck up a truce here he actually revealed the fact that they had been uh, they actually went out for breakfast to hash things out last year at one point too, and I guess that didn't stick. So maybe this will stick, and maybe those two can get that magnet off of them. Um, we're just gonna have to see as we head out to a track where you're not gonna retaliate <laughs> this weekend, and that is at the newly reconfigured Atlanta Motor Speedway. If you want to catch the action this week, there's going to be no practice. So we go from extra 
uh, time with practice last week at Phoenix to no practice at Atlanta because of it, it racing much like a super speedway now. But you can mm-hmm. catch Cup Series qualifying at 11.30 a.m. on Saturday on FS1. Um, they're actually going to have a doubleheader on Saturday as well. So if you want your racing fix in, the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series are going to be running. You can catch the uh, Freight 208 with the Craftsman Truck Series at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1. And then a little bit later on, you can catch the NASCAR Xfinity Series 2023 Raptor 250, 5 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. Um, just with that style of racing, I think they're going to be some pretty exciting races. So if you want yeah. uh, and, um, some appetizers before your entree on Sunday, catch those races. And then if you want to catch the big race, uh, Sunday, March 19th, uh, the pre-race show starts at 2 p.m. on Fox, 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch the Ambetter Health 400 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, now I can bring up some stats here, uh, for Ryan Blaney because Ryan Blaney, uh, historically was pretty decent at Atlanta motor speedway. He has an average start of 14.3 an average finish of 12, uh, one win, four top fives, four top tens. But in reality, we, there's really only two stats that we can really look at under this new configuration that they, uh, launched last year. So we had two races there last year, uh, the spring race, he started second, finished 17th. Uh, summer race started sixth finished fifth so he does have uh one top five in two starts on this new configuration um where it races much more like a super speedway but a very narrow very fast super speedway yeah the um qualifying is sort of important here um just for track position absolutely um, and it, because it doesn't race like a true super speedway um and really with this package and this car, even that, at that, the super speedways, um, they get single file, they get hard to pass. Nobody can duck out, start their own lane, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, for him to start somewhere near the, the top 10 and even, you know, top five is, would be excellent. Um, then it'll be just a matter of holding that track position and being there uh, near the end. Yeah, and we're really interested to see what happens with the track. Now, it's only been a year since the reconfiguration and repave. Um, so they did race a lot in packs last year. I'm interested to see what happens over the next few years as that asphalt starts to age. Are we going to, is it going to morph into something really, really cool and unexpected? Uh, or will they kind of stay in the, in these packs or stay where they run single file for a little while? Um, either way, it's, it's one of those races that I'm looking forward to. Atlanta is one of the tracks that we go to in person every year. So we're going to be heading out there on Saturday for the races this weekend. And I'm excited yeah. to see that. Um, yeah, let's so, look for some Adam TikToks, some Team Blaney <laughs> TikToks from the track. I'm hoping. So the the one thing I'll say is that Daytona, and I didn't do that many, but Daytona had uh, an upgrade with their Wi-Fi. I think they had a partnership with Verizon and they actually brought in some mobile stuff. And um, so Daytona was awesome. Uh, I think my experience is at Atlanta before. The Wi-Fi is not too great. But what I can get out there, I will. And if you're at the track and you see me walking around uh, with some Blaney gear on or, you know, Ryan Blaney Family Foundation stuff, uh, make sure to to give a wave, say hello. Uh, it be really great to meet you out there. Um, I'm not really sure what to expect from this race. Like you said, uh, there's a good possibility that we might get spread out a little bit here. We might be running single file. Um, I'm hoping that they stay in the pack a little bit more. Um, but that man, that track position is going to be really, really key. One other change that they did make to the kind of the, the configuration this uh, for this year, which didn't come into play at all last year, but I guess they're trying to be proactive. They've moved the pit entry 
uh, to the apron of turn three, and you have to run the so watch for speeding penalties. You have to run pit speed from that entrance of turn three on the apron all the way around to the front stretch and onto pit road. Um, no green flag pit stops have happened yet on this track. It's only been at stage breaks uh, or cautions so far. Um, what do you think uh, the challenge that might be for some drivers coming up this week? And like I said, the the Kyle Bushes of the world, the Daniel Suarez's of the world, who are you know just seemed I mean used to be Hamlin, uh, constantly getting caught for speeding. This is a long way around. It's almost like those short tracks where you have to enter on the on on the opposite pit road as your own. You just got to hold that speed for a really long time. You know what? I don't think it's going to be as bad as you think, um, mainly because if you do green flag cycle, that's by manufacturer usually in these situations. So you're going to come in with six, eight, ten of your your fellow racers. Um, so as long as the lead guy gets it woed down and everybody else gets in line behind him, um, it should be fine. Um, it, could, it could be an issue, you know, if they do if somebody screws up and they stack up on each other, but. Um, like I said, for the most part, I don't think it's going to be bad as people think. A little, little hairy, maybe, but um, like I said, they they usually pit in a pack uh, by manufacturer. So uh, it'll be just if they do have a green flag cycle. Hopefully, um, nobody has a an issue in front of anybody else. You know. So again, if you want to catch this race, the Ambetter Health Four Hundred this Sunday at Atlanta Motor Speedway, three p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Um, so we talked about the NASCAR Cup Series standings. Now it's time to talk about the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League standings. Um, first of all, we're going to go through who we started in our lineups. And I thought, man, I had a really great lineup this week uh, based on where guys were running throughout the race, uh, based on the points that they actually earned. You know, when I'm looking through my lineup, I feel like I got a lot of points. Uh, but it actually didn't really reflect it because everybody seemingly had a really good lineup for Phoenix. So I started Ryan Blaney, got me 43 points, started Kyle Larson, got me 52 points, started Kevin Harvick. That could have gone better. got me 43 points, uh, started Denny Hamlin, got me 26 points. So Denny, thanks uh, for making that <laughs> decision there. I think Denny is really the one of the main reasons here why I had some problems because he could have finished top five. Um, Kyle Busch. Uh, rallied back from uh, some sp- a speeding penalty early on in the race, got me 30 points. So I thought all of that was pretty decent. Uh, I kept Daniel Suarez in the garage uh, just in case the team had been you know, pretty stout all year long up until this point. They had three straight top tens, uh, one of only two drivers to do that starting out the year this year. Um, he stayed in the garage. That was a good decision. He only got 15 points because he himself also had a speeding penalty that set them way back. Um, in the featured matchups, I picked Byron over Briscoe. That was correct. Obviously, he won the race. Um, I picked Blaney over Truex. That was right. I picked Chastain over Bell. That was wrong. That was another opportunity there where maybe that incident doesn't happen. Ross was up on the outside, uh, seemingly safe until what happened there. So maybe I could have scored 10 points if if that incident wouldn't have happened. And then I picked Reddick over Sindrick. That was correct. So I, I split the difference there on those picks um steve who did you start in your lineup because it was pretty stout yeah i am i had byron you know that's the best one i have i had christopher bell larson um hamlin i started kyle bush and i had ryan in the garage Mm -hmm. to start uh kyle bush ends up with the two penalties and i quickly switch uh ryan into the lineup now this is new in 2023 for you i think this is a couple weeks in a row where you've made some garage swaps that you don't normally do 
I hurried up and made the switch. And um, that worked out really, really well, uh, except for what happens at the end with Hamlin. Once again, like you said, Hamlin ends up costing me some points probably. Um, but Byron was the number one in points. And Bell and Blaney both had 43 and Larson at 52. You know, So I had the first ranked, second ranked, fourth and fourth ranked uh, guys in points out of my top five there. Hamlin ended up 12th ranked in points based on some good stage finishes. But Kyle Bush would have been like four more points if I, you know, had him in instead of Hamlin. Um, I had Byron over Briscoe. I had Ryan over Martin. I had Christopher Bell over Chastain, and I had Tyler Reddick over over Austin. A couple of those I thought were no brainers, like uh, Byron over Briscoe. I thought was a no brainer. Yep. Of course, Ryan I thought was a no brainer. Um, Reddick over Cindric I thought was a no brainer, and then the Bell Chastain one really could have flipped a coin, but uh, I thought Bell has been running really well lately. So, yeah, I maximized a pretty good points day there, um, as we'll see. <laughs> so let's take a look at the top 10 in points earned in the league at Phoenix Raceway. In the 10th position uh, might be one of my new favorite names here in the Team Blaine and Ascar Fantasy Live League in 10th with 256 points, zero <laughs> Schlitz given. Uh, in the 10th position uh tied for eighth here we have alex ortega and your team mez 12 263 points earned seventh uh u.s calvin 265 points sixth go larson 268 fifth bears motor club 270 fourth we have the nutty gamer with 273 points earned and third factory of sadness coming on strong again this year as they did last year 280 points in tied for first this week uh, Eric D15 and Epic Chickens 1916 tied in the first position in points earned with 283 points. Now let's take a look at the overall standings. Oh, where, where were you? I don't want to talk about it. Um, oh, okay. It wasn't, uh, it, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't completely awful, uh, but it wasn't yeah. great. Finished in the, in the 40th position there 224 points i was only i wasn't that honestly wasn't that far out of a top 10 spot there just about 20 points on those um feature matchups if i had just gotten some of those right that probably would have would have got me up there so that's what i was saying Mm -hmm. my lineup was really really good um just what one tweak here there might have might have actually got me up there now we mentioned this with the cup series standings um this early on in the season one good race one good finish will put you up and down in the standings real fast. And we saw that with you this week. You saw that with me. I, you know, I felt like I was gloating a little bit so far this year. I've been doing pretty good. Um, but here I am now, uh, 22nd in the overall standing, 742 points. Uh, but let's take a look at the top 10 in overall, because that's where you live right now. But in the 10th position, we have Dusty Hawk 30, 766 points. Um, just one point ahead there, ninth position, your team, Mez 12, 767. So you've vaulted uh, from the you know 15 to 20 range all the way up into the top 10 right now. Uh, Epic Chickens, 1916, 784 points. One thing to point out here, we are now full on the league with the 100 members. Epic Chickens, I'm pretty sure, is one of those folks that missed the first couple weeks here. They've come on really strong since they got into the league after I opened up some spots. Uh, so good run for them so far in the eighth position. Seventh, Blaney or Bus, 788 points. Sixth, Blaring Idiot, 793. Fifth, Bulldog, 0277, 797 points. Fourth, Factory of Sadness, 6, 808 points. Third, Christine, uh, Christian uh, Dana, 822 points. Second, Hilton's Heroes, 846. 
And in the first position in the overall standings for the Team Bleeding NASCAR Fantasy Lively, we have the Nutty Gamer with 867 points. So the Cup Series and the Team Bleeding NASCAR Fantasy Lively is headed to Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend, as we just talked about. Um, I think you said early on that you might just be starting Ryan over and over and over again to use up all his spots. Uh, is Ryan going to be in your garage? Is Ryan going to be in your starting lineup? And who else do you have your eye on this week? Well, um, the NASCAR has been putting out the lineup, uh, the, uh, the sponsor lineup on Mondays now, which before it was like Tuesdays. It wouldn't come out till Tuesday. So, um, I checked it out just before we started recording and it's body armor sport water. New. It's going to, it's going to hold new on the, on the car this week. I cannot wait to see what that looks like. Um, there's a couple people in the uh, discord talking about who was at the shop today. Did anybody see it? <laughs> um, you know, and, and unfortunately, no, there were no pictures, although I, I'm sure if we text the right person, we could probably get a picture at this point, but that's all right. We'll, we'll see it on, on the weekend, but, um, so I can't wait to see what that car looks like. Cause it looks, you know, that, uh, you know, if it's a lot of white or whatever, it might look really good in the front. Um, that could influence your fantasy pick uh, yeah, the sponsor, the sponsor, right? You know. <laughs> I'm all, you know, I'm all about body armor. I'm all in. Um, on them as a sponsor, uh, love their design. As a matter of fact, if somebody can find a picture of what it looks like, it really actually, what it looks like I need to know, um, I need an actual picture because, uh, I want to hurry up and do one of my hoods, one of my mini hoods. Uh, I'd like to do one before the weekend, even if I could. Um, but truthfully, uh, this is a weekend where you'd like to see, um, not the chaos, but you'd like to see a couple of those guys who you know, like, like Corey LaJoy, who did, yep. did a good job, job with it last year. Um, the chance up there, um, you know, Chase won't be in the way of, uh, for him this year <laughs> on this one. Point. So, um, we know that Ryan will do really well here as long as nobody else. Once again, everything deal, deals with ending. If there's a mess, if somebody has a crash and takes out a bunch of cars, um, and, uh, truthfully the fantasy thing should give you like four garage guys because (laughs) (laughs) these races you could you could end up having three guys in one of those wrecks you know and then you're just kind of like did they fix the car did they get it back out there um uh you know allegedly the nose is supposed to make a difference that the fords have but uh, you know haven't seen it yet on the aero tracks if it doesn't qualifying i'm fine with that like you said track position might be key might be key um so yeah, I don't know. I I want to give specific names. I uh, Bubba Wallace, I think will do well in this situation. You know, he's really good at super speedways. Um, this super speedway is different than the other two super speedways too, because of the narrowness. Because it's only a mile and a half. The drafting is a little bit different. So, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I think you yeah. can't go wrong with like Hendrick Cars. Uh, William Byron won at Atlanta last year as well. Um, Chase won the other race at Atlanta, so they're really strong there. I'm not sure. Corley Joy, I don't, I didn't see where he finished this this past week at Phoenix, but you know that car has had speed all year. You know, speed for where they run relative to where mm-hmm. they run mm-hmm. this year. Uh, he had a shot, a legitimate shot. You know, running up front and, and and racing and battling with Chase Elliott at the end of the July race there last year. So maybe Aspire Car is one of those to look at. Justin Haley is one another one of those sleeper picks. You know, he mm-hmm. won a rain shortened race at uh, July race at Daytona a few years ago, but I think he's 
also run up front at Atlanta on this new configuration. So if you're looking at things for load management, maybe this is when you want to start Justin Haley, uh, Corey LaJoy, AJ Allmendinger, some of these other people that, well, maybe not Allmendinger. You might want to save him since he's full-time now uh, for the road course races. Road so course scratch that. Um, but some people that maybe you wouldn't usually use, and just because of what you said, if they are running in a tight pack and somebody gets loose and it takes out 10 cars, mm-hmm. um, you might not want to use all of your top spots. But it's still, for me, I mean, that 24 team with William Byron, he has a win there last year. Incredible amount of momentum. And if they can start up front, uh, they have a really good chance at controlling this race. So those are the folks, at least I think you should have your eye on. Uh, Ryan might not be a bad start for me. This is the type of race where I'm probably going to start Ryan in the garage. So Steve teased it at the top of the show, um, but we are really excited to have another guest, another representative to come and talk to us about the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation and those efforts. So let's go to that interview right now. Let's welcome Leah Reeves back to the Team Blaney podcast. Leah is the daughter of National Sprint Car Hall of Famer Dale Blaney, but more importantly, she's the Director of Marketing and Programs for the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Leah, welcome back to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Sure. So we've been lucky enough to catch up with you and your your sister or your cousin. Sorry, not your sister. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like sisters. Um, yeah. You and your cousins on the on the show for the last couple of years. So we wanted to welcome back again because we know the foundation, especially in the last couple of years, has been super super busy. And I don't think things have let up when it's going to get changed over to 2023. Um, so you guys have plenty of programs. Um, social media, marketing, everything going on. And one of the big events that's uh, definitely happened in 2022, happening again in 2023, is the Top Golf event that you guys had in Charlotte. So first of all, can you talk about last year's event a little bit and its success, and then what you're excited for in 2023's event? Definitely. So last year, we had our first in-person fundraising event. It had kind of got pushed back a little bit, uh, you know, due to COVID and all those fun things. So we had it at Top Golf Charlotte, uh, the university location. We rented out the whole third floor, um, invited all kinds of people to come, Ryan's sponsors, uh, local businesses. We had a wonderful time. We had a silent auction. We had a hole-in-one contest to win $10,000. Um, we might have had door prizes. I can't remember off the top of my head. Gift bags, um, food, bar. It was a lot of fun. Tournament play for the golf. Um, the winner, I think, got a trophy and then maybe best dress got a trophy too. Um, so we had a lot of fun raising money for our Fund a Fellow program, which we funded two fellows to go through the UPMC uh, Sports Medicine Concussion Program. So they've been going through their schooling to pretty much learn everything that Dr. Collins uh, has to offer there at the UPMC program. So we raised over $200,000 last year. It yeah. was an awesome event. We had so much fun. Ryan was there, obviously, had some other drivers, Bubba, Daniel Hemrick, Chase, Dale Jr., uh, Christian McCaffrey made an appearance, Colson Dell was there. So we had a lot of really cool people join us. It was tons of fun, super successful, and we are going to do it again this year. Um, Our date for this year's is Thursday, May 25th, right before the Coke 600. Um, 
we've tried to ramp it up a little bit this year and now we're running out two whole floors so we have the top floor for our vip sponsor area but then we have the second floor for our friends and the public um fans can come we have single tickets available if you purchase an entire bay for six golfers you get a discounted rate so we're really excited to have the fans there this year. Um, I think it's just going to kind of add an element of excitement. We're going to have Ryan checking out their bays, going to say hello, um, tournament play again, silent auction again, hole-in-one contest again. So we still have a lot of those fun things that get get people to interact. Um, but I really think that it's going to be a lot more exciting having more people there and raising money for a good cause. We aren't picking a certain program this year for all of our funds to go to. We're just going to put it full force back into the foundation to continue supporting Alzheimer's and concussions. We have really kind of ramped up our programs that we're participating in or doing ourselves. So we have a lot going on and we figured, Hey, that's where our money's best going to this year. So we're super excited, looking forward to it. We hope it's a great turnout. Yeah, speak to um, what it, uh, participating in the event because I've had a couple people ask me about it, and they're like, "I don't golf." Yes, and they don't understand it's it's kind of like golf, but it's not like golf, and you really don't need to be a golfer to do it. Absolutely not. Top golf is for everybody. I. And the world's worst golfer. Like it, I literally just learned a few years ago that I'm actually a left-handed golfer. I couldn't hit the ball for 24 years of my life. So it's okay if you can't even hit the ball. Like no big deal. You can still come and have fun, but it's not a serious game. There's, I think the goal is to hit certain colors out in the like tar- targets. I think they're yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. just certain distances away. Exactly. And if you get the points, great. If you don't, it's okay. If you swing 10 times and hit it once, that's awesome. So you definitely don't have to be a professional or anywhere good. Um, The tournament, we will, it will keep track of points and the team with the most points will get a trophy. Um, But again, it's all for fun and games. So you could be on the PGA tour or you could be like me, but it's going to be a fun night. Yeah, I mean it's and it's a donation too, so it's you know it's over a certain amount, which probably is tax deductible probably. So, yes. um, the the price point I found was really really reasonable. I thought, um, and it's not hard to you know put together. You don't have to put together six people, um, right. but like like you said, you can save if you put together six people. But yeah. um, I find it was really uh, you know for a fan to just have a chance, and then it's it's a meet and greet too. You know, at some point they come by the booth and Ryan comes by. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's definitely a a great uh, opportunity to enjoy that too. Definitely. We, we know it's a little expensive. It's a pricier event. Um, and I know that things are kind of hard right now. The economy is crazy, but we are trying to make it definitely worth the dollar. So it might be a little bit more than people would like to pay or expect to pay, but like you said, we're try- we're definitely going to do the meet and greet. They're going to get a gift bag. Um, I think some things will have signatures from Ryan on it for some gift bags. I'm not positive of the different tiers for that, but mm-hmm. we are definitely doing our best to offer as much as possible to the participants and people who can come because we 
appreciate them donating their time and their dollars to our cause. Well, I mean, as a fan, uh, if you go to the, when you go to the website to look it over, uh, look at what the corporate uh, <laughs> what the corporate booths cost and yeah. what what their donations are like. And uh, when you get down to the the actual fan ones, it's like I said, it's really really reasonable. And the best part is it's that week between the All Star Race and Shark and the and the six hundred. Um, so if you're going to come to town, you just come to town maybe a day earlier, yeah, you know, or two, depending on how you're going to travel. And, um, you know, just add it to your uh, calendar, you know? Yeah, we thought that would be the perfect time to have it. You know, we moved it to the Thursday. I think it was a Tuesday last mm-hmm. year. Um, yeah. We moved it to the Thursday this year to hopefully be closer. And like you said, people are coming down. Maybe you can make a little bit longer of a weekend out of it. Um, come spend a day with us. So we're hoping that that will entice some, some more people to come join us. Yeah, and definitely the cool thing uh, about this week too, and I know we were there a little bit earlier last week, but what Steve and I and you know our our family did when we came to town was that morning we went and toured all the race shops, and then that evening went out to the golf event and had a really good time. And leading into the six hundred, you might catch a glimpse of some of the team's Coca Cola six hundred cars that are still out on the shop floor. Um, obviously we're very familiar with the Penske shop with, uh, going to see Ryan's cars and they have a great fan experience there. If you go and visit that, so you can do lots of things, you go visit the shops, you can go to this event and then you can catch the racing action the rest of the week. And I'll echo what Steve said. I mean, the atmosphere at this event, um, is amazing. Like you said, uh, you'll, you'll have a chance to see Ryan. You'll have a chance to just have fun with the people that you're around. If you do buy a single ticket or just a couple of tickets, you're going to be paired up with the, some other people that are most likely pretty diehard Ryan Blaney fans, and you'll get to meet some new people um, and then maybe see them at the track later on. So um, really cool opportunity. And again, as Steve said, you have to remember you're paying for this, this event and all this atmosphere and all the things you get to do. And it's also a really, really great donation uh, to a really great cause. Um, So for fans that maybe aren't able to attend in person last year, you guys uh, let people sign up for uh, like a wall of fame uh, card where if you, you paid a certain amount of money um, you could go donate anything, I think get on the wall of fame. But if you, if you donated a certain amount, Ryan would actually sign the card and mail it back to you. It made a really, really cool souvenir. Um, I have a few of them over there from last year with the, the fund fellow thing um, that was, that was featured on it. Are you guys doing that again this year and where can people find out information? Yes, we are doing that again this year. We will have our wall of fame. Uh, you can donate, like you said, any amount uh, if you can't attend or if you can't attend and want to donate too. Great. Um, I think $50 or more, we'll get a signature, Ryan's signature. Um, so like you said, a nice little souvenir that you get. And all the information, I know I know I've posted it on the um, foundation social media a few times. It will continue to be posted. I'm not sure that it's on the same exact website as the ticket information. So I might have to get back to you on that. I think it might be a different site, but it could be on the same ticket site. I'm not 100% positive. Um, but... Definitely check out the um, Ryan Blaney Family Foundation social media pages, and there will be information about it on there. So again, that's the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation Driving for Good event. Uh, it's going to be two or Thursday, May 25th. Again, the week leading into the Coca-Cola 600. Really amazing event. Um, find out about it on all of their social media channels in RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org. So that's the golf event. 
Um, we're going to keep getting that information out as you guys continue to release it. We'll share that stuff. So tune into our social media for that as well, but you guys have a lot more going on than just the golf event this year. And we've seen some, uh, some posts over the last couple of weeks about you guys partnering with, uh, the NASCAR foundation, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So the NASCAR Foundation is doing a thing called Speediatrics, where they are donating bikes to children who are underserved. Um, and we've partnered with them, thanks to Bell Helmets, to donate helmets to all of the kids who are participating. So I believe in Daytona, we donated 110 or 150 helmets. Uh, I don't know the exact number that we did in Phoenix this past week, but a lot of helmets. So we're super excited to be partnering with them and just teaching kids that keeping their brains and their heads safe is important. And hopefully they will continue to use them. Yeah. I don't know about Steve, but I know even for me growing up as a kid, I, I maybe, maybe got a helmet, but very, very late in childhood. And now you come with everything that that's going on and the more research that's been done. Uh, some of the things you guys promote, you know, concussions are very serious, no matter if you're five or if you're 55, 65 and older. So I think that just spreading this awareness is really important. Definitely. Yeah. You think, you know, I know that when I was a kid, helmets are like, Oh, you're kind of dorky. Like it's cool not to wear a helmet, but yeah, the more research and information that we've had come out about concussions and brain injuries, they really are important. And so I think just getting kids to understand that, hey, that's one simple step that you can do to really protect yourself and the longevity of the health of your brain. Um, definitely important thing to get across. So we're excited that we can hopefully make a small impact on those kids' lives. Now, one other initiative that I find really interesting that you guys have been working on, and it kind of has something to do with the, you know, how you work a lot with Alzheimer's related projects. Um, talk about these these smile boxes that I think you've been partnering with different uh, facilities around the country. You guys went and visited one in Daytona, um, in, in some other areas back in Ohio, and I think in the Charlotte area too. Um, just trying to, I think, you know, bring a smile and cheer up some of the folks that are that are living uh, in those facilities and maybe battling some of the things that uh, you're supporting causes for? Yeah. So the idea for our smile boxes kind of all started with our holiday drives. Um, it, over the holidays, we've picked uh, memory care facilities in Ohio and down here in Charlotte to visit and take the um, the residents gifts. So they might have coloring books, crayons, fuzzy slippers, fuzzy socks, robes, uh, just some comfy things and things to keep them busy and their minds busy. Um, and we really enjoy doing that. So we thought, well, hey, why can't we kind of take it up a notch? So we have launched these smile boxes. Well, they'll be launching very soon on our website. Um and it's basically just a box that has all the fun goodies in it. The coloring books, crayons, fuzzy things, stuffed animals, lotions, body washes, just the necessities that sometimes people don't get or can almost get forgotten about. Um, so they'll be available on our, I believe on our Shopify, you can either buy one and we can mail it to you and you can give it to someone who might need it in a, whether it be just a family member that you know is struggling or has dementia or someone in a memory care facility, or you can buy one and we'll keep it. And the next time we go to a memory care facility, we'll drop it off to them. So 
we did a small launch down in Daytona. We took some boxes to all the residents there. Um, they loved them, which was super exciting. So I think our next track that we're going to try to hit is Talladega in April. So those should be launching pretty soon for people to start um, purchasing. So we're really looking forward to that. And just like you said, hopefully spreading a little cheer and giving someone a smile and know that we're thinking of them. Now you mentioned um, being at the track. So I had a, the opportunity to go and visit Patty at uh, just outside Daytona where you guys had the tent set up and you're selling merchandise and she's out there, you know, talking with people and spreading awareness uh, about your causes and then also just about the foundation. Um, really, really great opportunity. Are there any other tracks on the schedule this year? Now, you just mentioned Talladega, and I don't know if you meant that as far as setting up something too there, but anywhere else that fans might be able to interact with you guys at a racetrack near them? Yes, we are definitely going to Talladega. And, of course, I don't have the list handy. Right <laughs> no, that's okay. But that's soon. More. And yeah. so Talladega will be our next one and um, we will have a social media post going about going out about that soon. So yes, you can come see us at track at track. Pat will be there. She'll be (laughs) dealing all the merchandise and giving out the info. So um, I think there's about four or five places that we're going to be this year. So we're really excited to just get out and mingle and see everybody. And um, yeah. I was going to ask, um, we've been talking about all this stuff with the, with the foundation, but the fan club kind of did like a little bit of a relaunch this year too. Um, and, uh, I liked it. I, you know, I thought it was really cool that, uh, they kind of changed things a little bit and, uh, it's actually a little bit different entry point and so forth for people, but, um, hopefully, uh, you're getting a lot of new members, uh, to the fan club this year too. Yeah. So the Ryan Blaney family foundation has a fan club called the Blaney bunch. Um, it, We've had it for a couple years, but it just kind of has been slow and tossed around. Um, but we're really taking a focus on it. We've lowered the price point. So it's $30 uh, for a year-long membership. We do have like an international rate now, just because shipping costs, of course. But with that $30, you get to be a member for 2023. You get a discount code to the Brian Blaney Family Foundation's merchandise. You get there. We're doing periodic giveaways. You get some extra things at the in-person events. If you attend like the driving for good, uh, we have members only merchandise, which little plug. Oh, there you go. Awesome. T-shirt right there. So we have all six Blaney men racers right here, which is pretty cool. I know some people might not know about all of them, but we try to give a little history lesson now and then. So it's just doing some fun things uh, just to try and interact a little bit more with our fans, uh, give them an added added value to being a, a bunch member. So we're super excited about that. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be much better this year, uh, be able to do more with it. So we're looking forward to that and hopefully more people want to join and you can find out about that also on the Ryan Blaney family foundation social medias but then we do have a um some blaney bunch fan pages uh, on instagram and facebook but you have to be a member to join so uh they do have the join information on those pages though yeah it's really cool that's kind of like that exclusive access to those social media channels um you guys uh 
one of the other cool things that you sent out again with like renewal packages, we got a little patch and we got uh, hero cards and it was fun when you guys were sharing some of the photos of, of your dad and, and <laughs> others uh, going through and painstakingly signing all of those in person. And again, I, I talked about, uh, you know, just getting extra little souvenirs that you might not be able to get anywhere else. And you're only going to get that hero card with those signatures yeah. if you sign up and that $30 price point, I think is, is pretty perfect. And, um, that shirt looks pretty cool. I don't have one of those yet, but I think we're going to have to order them maybe, uh, maybe after we get off this call. Yeah. yeah. So you can wear, so you can wear them to Talladega. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. We've got, uh, two colors of shirts. I'm hoping to get hats up later this year. And like you said, if, when you sign up, you get, um, a signed hero card by all three boys, Dave, Dale, and Ryan, you get a poker chip with your number on it. You get a 2020 patch you get um another hero card yes there it is so we try to just add some extra goodies for you guys and we really just want to say thank you for for continuing to be our fans and supporting us like we really couldn't do this with without all the fans um they've been a huge part of our entire family's life so we really want to be where we are today without them so we're just want to say thank you and try to give, like you said, some added value and some added like behind the scenes access. We try to post some pictures or videos and, you know, it's hard to catch the boys all together (laughs) when they're being goofy, but we try. So we just like to do something a little bit extra to say, say thanks. Um, One of the, so talking about exclusive merchandise for fan club members, but you do have a Shopify store that people can access from your website. And you tend to do kind of relaunches of these as you get like new merchandise and things. So do you guys have another planned like relaunch with, with new, um, new t-shirts, new hats, new stuff at some point this year? And where can people kind of find out more about the store? Definitely. We have some hats that I just picked up uh, the other day that they should be on the website soon. They're pretty neat, like kind of old school embroidered. So uh, they'll have our new logo on there, which we're excited about. Um, I think probably within the next month or two, we should definitely have some more t-shirts and hopefully stickers available, just some other knickknacky things on there. So you can find the information on our website or we do post periodically about it um, on our social media channels. It stinks that you can only have like one link at a time. Yep. <laughs> social media bio, because I feel like I'm constantly changing it. Um, but we definitely do post about it. So check out the social media pages or the website. We should hopefully have an updated website soon. Um, I know sometimes it's been a little glitchy. We've had some issues with it, but we are working hard on that to make it more user-friendly and uh, just have all the goodies on there. So again, just want to encourage everybody to go uh, up to Charlotte uh, Thursday, May 25th for the driving for a good event at the top golf Charlotte university. Uh, check out the Ryan Blaney family foundation. We're at when they're at a track near you, um, especially Talladega that's coming up really, really soon and uh, follow them on, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, you guys are kind of all over the place posting um, not just stuff about the foundation and merchandise and things. You post a lot of really cool things uh, spreading awareness about the causes that you guys support. Um, Leah, thank you so much for coming on um, third or fourth time with us. And uh, every time it's really great to hear from you. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I feel like a regular almost, (laughs) but love to be on here with you guys. You guys are the best. Thank you for sharing um, what we do all the time. You guys are a huge reason why people will know about us. So um, 
thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks for your continued support. And like you said, come to Charlotte, come hang out with us. We're going to have a fun night of golf. So um, yeah. Always great, Steve. When someone like Leah, uh, Reeves, I always want to say Leah Blaney, but uh, Leah Reeves, the daughter of Dale Blaney, uh, can come on here, talk to us about the foundation. You know, we're big supporters of them. Uh, week in, week out, always trying to share their stuff, get the message out there because, you know, Ryan, it's, it's really important. You know, he's in the spotlight, you know, uh, celebrity athlete, uh, but they're also out there trying to do some good. And that's why they started this foundation in the first place. And, you know, I know we got to attend that golf event, as we said last year, an incredible amount of fun. So if you haven't signed up for that yet, go ahead and t- go to their website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org. Uh, look up the information for that. Uh, the entry point for a fan, you know, is I think manageable because mm-hmm. of the experience that you're going to get. You're going to get yeah. to meet Ryan. You're going to get to have food. There's going to be drinks. There's all the fun of the golf and you get to do it on a floor or on a level around fellow Blaney fans. Yeah. And you get into the, the, the there, there, there was like a, a door prize last year. Cause we, we won one of the door prizes. Um, our, the friends that came with us joined the silent auction. They won one of the silent auction items. Um, there's just a lot to do. Like I said, the golfing is part of it. Um, but you have fun with it. You know, my wife is, you know, a left-hander who's never golfed in her life. We went out and practiced a couple swings a week or two beforehand. Uh, you get there, they've got clubs for you. You don't need to bring clubs. And, uh, she, uh, you know, she whacking away at it and you can hit targets. You don't even have to hit the target. Like each round they, they, they change the target, but even if you don't hit the target you're aiming for him, but you hit one of the other targets, you still get points. So that's that is a thing. pro tip. I did not figure that out until I think our second game through last year. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh wait, I'm still getting points for these misses. And it's because mm-hmm. I was hitting other targets, but and that's targets. So that's your, my golf game, though. your, your wife and my wife both did a great job of that. Actually, <laughs> they were just like, heck with it. I'm not worried about that one all the way out there. This one's right here in front of me. Put another one in there. Put another one in there. I kept gathering the points and, you know, end up outscoring uh, me, I think, a couple times because of that. You know, I'm trying to shoot missiles out there, you know. And, uh, you know, as we get closer to it, we'll post some uh, pictures or videos of our experience last year. But, uh, you know, um, and if you want to go back onto our social media posts to go back and look at some of the stuff, I I posted some videos. I got a video of Josh hitting uh, my driver. I have a driver that's not quite legal and he came down and hit a ball or two with it and uh, showed you what a real golfer looks like. Um, but you don't have to be a real golfer to participate. It's a lot of fun. Um, and like I said, you get that great experience and, and, and you're going to be with other fans. That's the best part is uh, you're going to get to meet, you know, a couple hundred other fans are going to be there. Uh, the Ryan's fans uh, get together and you'll get to meet other Ryan fans. And uh, you know, it'll be really cool to meet some people in person. Absolutely. That's basically been the best part about doing this social media channel with Team Blaney, doing the podcast, is getting to meet fellow fans. You know, we we got to meet each other when we, you know, both were living up in Ohio. Uh, but Ryan has fans all over the the country. Uh, we have listeners all over the world, which has been interesting to see. Um, so, but you guys can everybody meet all in one spot and uh, participate in something that that really supports a great cause. So thank you, Leah, and thank you, everyone, once again, for tuning into this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blaney and on Instagram at Team.Blaney. Also check out uh, the new Team Blaney TikTok. Uh, plenty of content up there and some really fun videos that Steve's been working on week yeah. in, week out. 
you know, find them and then share them with other people. We want to grow that a little bit and um, do some things with it and uh, give us some comments, you know, some things you'd like to see. Maybe we can get our hands on a, on a picture or two. I, I know that, you know, we've seen some things and, and get to hear some things, um, but uh, you know, hopefully uh, you know, you guys enjoy it and then we'll try to do as much as we can with it. And finally, we'd like to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Established in 2018, this organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. To learn more, visit RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So for my co-host, Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you right here next time on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Check out the TikTok. Thanks, everybody, for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.